contemplating on a revolution at times now. I just wanna be free. 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 Okay, another episode of the Things I Wish I Knew About Money podcast. I'm your host, Camille Smith, and I have a lovely guest here. For Before I introduce her, I'm going to just uh, congratulate someone on episode 74. Uh, last week, I had like a little contest saying if anyone was able to understand Split D and finish it off, they would get a gift card. And Randall... You are the winner. So I was able to send him an Amazon gift card. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> I usually have my sound and I'm going to do it because I wouldn't be me if I didn't have my lovely soundboard. It, but it seems every time I try to look for it, I can't find it, but I found it today. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> so then, congratulations, Randall, for winning that. And I have a lovely guest here, my long, long-term friend, Christina. Christina, Hello. thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem. No problem. How long have we known each other since grade six? So mm -hmm. when we were like 11, 12, um, mm -hmm. in elementary, big up. Corvette. <laughs> you know what? I, you know, I wouldn't have had it anyway. Loved that school. Loved like growing up where we grew up. It was, it was the best. Like I, it, uh, it really so was. many fond memories, like growing up in that, in that area, that neighborhood. Yeah. It was definitely a good time to be being raised like in the nineties. Like what a different time. Like, I totally <laughs> <laughs> it's so oh, true. Man. You know, I felt so, I, you know, we got to walk to school every day. Like it was just, it was just a different time. Like it was just so much fun. And like, I have so many fond memories of us growing up there and like our childhood friends. And I feel so blessed that we still get to talk to each other, like, like, you know, randomly, of course, but like, it's definitely, we still connect, which I feel like I have friends forever. I know. And we, I think like our circle, we, even though we don't see each other often we still support each connect. other yeah connect so that's mm -hmm. like uh, a big thing because I'm always I like know. even like I'm like about the community and everything but I'm like you know I have some core friends from like elementary high school that I would I want to support and and respect their growth and and hustle and stuff and my friend <laughs> you are one of them <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's been, uh, it's been a long road and I, but it's, it's been fun. Like I have been loved being my own business owner. I've loved, and I, you know, we, we support each other in our businesses and I feel like that we should just always give back. And I always, anytime, because I, I can refer people out 
often because there's always people coming up, uh, clients or others yeah. that need referrals for certain in, for certain uh, services. And I am always ready to refer somebody out. Like I love referral systems. I love word of mouth. I feel like, you know, like if I know that somebody's legit and they're yeah. really good at their job, I will, I will definitely, you know, say, Hey, go see them, go, go. Like I've done it with you, with your, your, your tax season, your accounting, like, Hey, this is who I use. Go ahead. She's fantastic at what she does. And like, I do that with a lot of people because I work off lots of referrals. Like that's basically the bread and butter of my business. And I try to continue to do good work and uh, please my clients and make lasting experiences so that I can continue to get referrals and continue to do repeat business. Like if I've sold you something once, I definitely want you to come back and I definitely keep those relationships close to me. And I keep, it's one thing that I, a lot of people, a lot of my friends in the industry we talk about is saying that giving starts the receiving process. So Mm -hmm. if you start to give people items of value or valuable, like spending time with them, making them feel heard or getting to know them and their families, they will definitely come back. And when they need somebody to, you know, hire a realtor, you are always top priority. And I'm only looking to be top priority for my core clients that have been using me often. I'm not, uh, you know, it's nice to meet new people that I don't even know, but I do enjoy working with a really warm lead that was referred to me by somebody else that has already worked with me. Speaking of top agent, (laughs) I remember seeing something, uh, what, the beginning of this month that you were the top agent. Well, I was in the top three, but yes, which was, it's actually really humbling and I was not expecting it. I just, I, you know, me, I'm just always keeping my head down, trying to do the best job. Uh, like I didn't take it for granted that I got to work through the whole pandemic and I, you know, I was working in an industry that didn't get shut down, which, you know, I benefited from, which was amazing. But I recently switched companies in December after I was with the same company uh, for oh, I don't know, seven years, some, no, not even eight it's years. Different. Yeah, it was a long, <laughs> I was, I was with the team. And, I, and then once I left the team, I was still with the same brokerage, yeah. but it was time for me to grow and time to me to grow my agency in the industry so I decided to switch to this newer brokerage which I think they're cutting edge they have all the benefits they are huge in pre-construction and all that and I was like okay I'm going to join and the, the for the first quarter I just kept my head down I felt really like I needed to prove myself working here and I got came in third and I have never <laughs> what hold on yeah hold on. so I, I gotta give you really I gotta happy give about you that. Well, I have to give you, I have to give you, <laughs> because oh I've never had that done for me before. Because <laughs> you know that I firstly, because we, we um, mm-hmm. were friends, but like business, we have a business relationship as well. So I mm-hmm. definitely know that you were working your ass off. So mm-hmm. like you said, with referrals, I, I always find that it's best for me to reach out to others that have the expertise in the the real estate or any field and like, you know, ask them questions about like what's going on. And you definitely are one person (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I know that you've been, I don't want to swear, but I'll swear. You've been like busting your ass. (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, I have been busting my ass. I am a grassroots 
type of realtor, yeah. I definitely uh, come with a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome. Like I just, mm. I just feel like it's, it's uh, like, I just feel that I'm not uh, like, I just have to keep working hard and yeah. I am finally seeing the, 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 the fruits of all the labor and like you know it took me a while to get here most some people get here much quicker than I did but like you know what I'm I'm happy with the journey I took I'm happy with the way I came here I'm mm -hmm. happy that I uh like a lot of people get into this industry and they get kicked down a lot and that is kind of um that's that's basically what, what builds your grit like this yeah. is not this is not this is this business is not for people that think it's going to be a quick buck. Yes, you can make a great income, but you have to build relationships. You have to be experts. So not only relationships, but you have to understand the product you're selling. You have to understand people's psychology on why they need to live where they need to live or why they need to make these moves when they need to make them. You have to understand negotiating and uh, like all those skills have taken like I've honed in on all my skills to get me to where I am today. So am I a master negotiator? Yes. But did I take a, a like? Did I take a course to do that? Yes. And have I been practicing for ten years? Yes. Like, and I I pride myself in that. Like, I definitely wasn't. I'm definitely a bit of a. My story is slow paced, but I feel like I built a business that is solid. I have yeah. a solid foundation. I have a coach. I have all these um, uh, things that I've put in place to make me an expert, so people feel comfortable coming to me about it. About real estate, about it, about real so estate. I, I like how you mentioned, like, you have a story. And I want the the ladies mm -hmm. and gentlemen to know the story. So, you know, tell them a little bit. Because, and, and we will talk about, like, how you have a team or how you've been growing throughout the years mm -hmm. with, like, a coach and and courses that you've taken. Because I know it's yeah. important. <laughs> Someone's going to oh, talk about <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Like, you well obviously falling on your face a bunch of times is going to teach is the best lesson you could ever learn and a lot of heartache in this business because you could think you're going to you know pull those clients and then something happens out of your control yeah. and you know you that's another thing that's another type of uh skill you need to learn like how to take how to roll with it like you know, this the shit happened. I got to keep moving. Like you almost become desensitized to it because if you get too involved in your emotions, which is very difficult for me to do. And that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've ever had to learn and how to like get better at it was like, it's not about you. It's not you. So I've learned like, that's another type of skill that we need to learn as realtors that, uh, buying and selling real estate is not always, it's not about you. It's about the client. So, um, yes. handling. So my story, so in all honesty, I fell into real estate, like by chance, I was, it's so weird. It's so random. So yeah. I was working at a, at a, like, I've had very few jobs. Uh, I am literally a, a student of the streets. So I <laughs> literally, because I was in school and college for human resources mm -hmm. and I was going to Centennial and I'm, I was working at a grocery store and a friend of my sister's, which she probably like, doesn't even know this changed yeah. the course of my life she was like why are you working at this grocery she's like like come work for this this real estate company yeah. with me they're called Royal LePage and I grew up well I, I have juvenile diabetes since I was a kid and I never moved like my parents have lived in the same house my entire life they bought it 
the, the year I was born and we've never moved. So I don't, I didn't know the process of moving. Yeah. I didn't know what it took. I didn't know any of that. So when she told me, oh, Royal Page, mm-hmm. I literally thought I would be sitting behind a desk and like paging doctors because <laughs> I've only been in the hospital system, you know, like yeah. my mom would be like, oh, I got to page your doctor. Like, you know, so it was like, I didn't know what any of this meant. So mm-hmm. I pull my shit together. I get this job and I become a real estate receptionist. I obviously knowing computers and stuff like that really benefited me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were some really great people I met in, that, yeah. in those offices that, you know what, they knew I didn't know real estate, but they took a chance on me. It was part-time. I did that for a few years, finished college. And then it was kind of one of those things where it was like, are you going to become, are you going to go to university now? Because like, you just have a diploma and like in human resources, like you need that degree almost like you need that extra education. And I was in this real estate office and I was watching all these agents that were like making good money, running their own lives. I was something that uh, a lifestyle I had never experienced before in my life because my parents were hardworking immigrants that worked from 6.30 to 6.30 every day, like there was no room for fun. Like it was just like work hard, do do a good job and like get a steady job. Like that's what we were raised on. So the yeah. fact that I ran into this industry where you have to create your own life or create your own business and create your own income, it took my parents a long time to get to understand what I was doing. Oh, I could only like, imagine. Oh, well, yeah, like they were just, they were like, what are you doing? And like, anytime I would fall on my face to them was like, okay, maybe you shouldn't do this. Like, maybe you should go back to school. And that was their first reaction each time because that's all they knew. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I just, I was like, I'm not going back to school. I don't fucking, I don't care. I'm like, I don't want to go back to school. I want to be a realtor. So exactly. I got my real estate license. I started working in the back end. Of, so I started doing deals. So like, in the industry, we call them deal secretaries. So they would, once you did a transaction, you, all your paperwork goes to this receptionist. She processes it. That's how you get paid. So I did a little bit of that. I did also mortgages. Like I was doing reconciling for mortgages. Like, so I, I have a whole back end of all encompassing of the whole transaction of real estate. Okay. So that was what I meant. Like I have, I was from the street, like I just learned by example, osmosis, mm-hmm. being in, being where, being around realtors. And then I just started selling like I was in my mid 20s and I started working with lots of different agents doing my own little thing and then I teamed up I teamed up with a friend of mine yeah. and we did that for a few years kind of uh, outgrew it and then now for the last three years I've been on my own and I am rocking like I'm gonna say I'm rocking it but uh, I am doing <laughs> I'm doing better than I, I had ever dreamed uh, I think just comes with maturity too. And just, yeah. um, I don't know. I just, I just, it, it just, I got here when I got here at the right time. I feel. Yeah. Timing is everything. Right. And yeah, I trusted your... the process, which is so cliche, but I did ah, trust the process. Trust the and process. also I was young. So like, I wasn't expecting to like, I was making a really good income in comparison to people around me, but in comparison to the people in the industry, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, there's a lack here. So I just, that's when my business started to really take off because I started to really look at it at like in a bigger lens and make, make changes. And would you say that, um, cause you said three years and I do remember you coming to me at the time and I want to say that was a, that was a monumental conversation. I think we had at that time. (laughs) 
right? <laughs> because you told me you're, I was like, what a, I was in debt mm-hmm. and I was, you know, being a realtor and I was in my mind. now that I look back, I was, it was delusion. Like it was like, okay, like I'm going to keep doing is like insanity, doing something over and over again and expecting things to change. Yeah. And I needed to fuck shit up. And I just, you know, took that conversation we had when you were like, maybe you should get a part-time job or maybe you could like, you know, just to get out of debt. And I was like, how, how could I be going and uh, go and get a part-time job when the, the income in this industry is limitless? Yeah. What am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. So from that conversation, plus, you know, but that was a big part, pivotal moment. Like that, I think we did have that conversation at the end of 2018. Yes, 2018. Yeah, I want to say 2018 because like 2019, we're like still figuring out a plan and all that stuff. And then Mm -hmm. fucking pandemic happened. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so at the end of 2018, I got a coach. Mm -hmm. So we we had that conversation in 2017 because I don't think I had, I don't think I was in the, I think I was a little bit of a a better situation in 20. Like I started to like get my shit together. I was like, yo, you got to figure this out or you're going to be on your way out. If you don't like, if you don't start get focusing and like doing things, just, just changing my mindset was the biggest thing. Mindset was the biggest thing. You set it up. (laughs) And that's Mm -hmm. what I always tell people, like changing the mindset. And I'm glad that like our conversation and just you seeing like the numbers and you're just like, no, Mm -hmm. I know that there's opportunity in this industry. Mm -hmm. I'm about to grind. And that was, you sort of learn the power of saying no. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to waste, like, because a lot of time you could be doing things that think you can make you think you're busy, but you're not busy. Mm. It's like, oh, like I'm going to like, for example, I'm going to want to run to Oshawa to do this thing for my client when it's like, that is not producing like, like that is not going to produce an outcome where it's like rewarding. Yeah. Well, or make it the the income I needed. Like Mm -hmm. I was thinking I was busy when I wasn't busy. So that's another thing entrepreneurs get distracted with as well. I think being in this side, like, Oh, uh, and I get that way too. Like sometimes if I'm burnt out, yeah, which happens like, like I know I real, I really understand burnout now. Uh, but I, uh, I start making, you know, I'll just do this and that's enough, you know, like, but I also learned how to give myself some grace and know that like, okay, you're burnt out. That's why you're cutting corners right now. Like maybe you need to take some time for yourself because I do work seven days a week. Most, some weeks, sometimes I could wake up one week, one morning and think like, I haven't had a day off in three weeks. I haven't had a like an actual meal with my boyfriend or like, you know, we live together, but we're not spending time together. So, Mm -hmm. uh, the work work life. So I'm getting, that's my new phase of life. Like Mm -hmm. learning how to scale. That's the biggest thing that I'm learning now. So I'm offloading a lot more. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing what's important. Like, you know, making sure my clients get the deal done, but I don't need to be, uh, there's just awful. Like you're just outsourcing, like getting an assistant and having a staging assistant, and uh, you know, even having you in my life has made it has uh, like takes that stress out. Because imagine if I, I everybody always says, oh, "Why don't you just do it yourself?" And it's like, I just can't do that myself right now. Like I just can't. Like it's not it's not feasible or possible. Mm-hmm. And it is true because um, and I'm not I, good at it. <laughs> 
like, like, why? I'm not good at it. There are times I be I show you like your your financial statements. You're like, oh, (laughs) I'm like, you know what? It's cool. Let me let me let me me simplify it and and just show you, right? And it's true because like having a team makes things work, and that's like also something I'm trying to do. And I love how you said scaling to have like a work life balance. Because it's, it's key when, like, Like now that I can afford to scale and like, you know, like I got out of debt, that was the Mm -hmm. biggest thing for me. So I got out of debt. He did, guys. Yeah, I did. Like, I was like, I don't even know how much it was. It was like $60,000 or something crazy. I got out of debt, paid off my taxes, like all these things. But I didn't, it's been three years of grinding to make sure. And I've built, I have literally increased my business by 300%. What she's saying is not a lie. (laughs) I don't want to like, you know, put your like business out there like that, but you absolutely have been grinding and all Mm -hmm. that good stuff. And I just, I guess for anyone that's like in the real estate world or trying to get into the real estate world like what advice would you provide? Uh, so if if someone is like I'm first generation realtor mm. so if you're a first generation realtor I think joining a team joining I know a lot of people say oh discount broker like you know they want to spend money on the brokerage side or whatnot but yeah. There's so much value in working with a bigger brokerage, like training, like you go to these classes, they don't teach you the streets of real estate. And that's what I mean. Like I, yeah. they don't, they teach you how to, you know, uh, measure things and it, the, the, it's very theoretical. And then yeah. when you're in the industry and mm-hmm. you're actually having to do a deal, they don't, they don't teach you how to tie that all together. They don't teach you the, the, the music of it all. Like this person needs this person. You yeah. need to like how to qualify somebody, how to make sure that you, um, uh, you know, listen, like that's another thing you need to learn to listen. So then you're not wasting time. And I think a lot of agents don't want to join teams, but I think a team is a really good uh, opportunity for new agents because you, because with being a realtor, you have to wear so many hats. You have to be the CFO, the CEO, the marketing manager, all these things. Whereas if you're on a team, they take away a lot of those hats and they make you just focus on being a realtor. And that's what people don't understand that like, not only are you a realtor, but you take on all these other types of roles being in like, if you want to do it full time, like I'm doing it. Like if you want to just sell one house a year, the, like go ahead I don't uh, I don't recommend that because you have no idea what you're doing but uh, if that's what you want to do then sure but if you're trying to do it like the scale I'm doing it at yeah. you need to really like take the time to learn your skills and and Great. new agents <laughs> and new like I know it's going to suck for a lot of new agents because they're going to give away a lot of their commission and they're going to feel like what am I you know but you will learn so much more by being on a quality team because yeah. there's lots of teams out of there, out, of, out there and they're shit. They won't teach you anything. They just have you on their roster just to look like they're legit. But yeah. there are literally legit teams out there that will take a lot of your income, but they will support you to make the income. Like they will send you leads. They will train you. They will teach you. They will take you out to learn. Like they're, yeah. I spent uh, the first year of being a realtor, like doing a lot of leases and selling houses. I did sell. 
quit. Like I did, I sold a house the first day I got my license. Like I knew that I was born to do this. I just need to figure out my skill. Um, And I couldn't have done that, that first deal without have already done like all this work in an, uh, in a brokerage. Like, like while I was in school, I would shadow people. I would go to their, I would go to open houses and I would not be licensed and I'd see how they would talk to people at open houses. Like I went to a conference two weeks ago and it was the first conference that I've been into since COVID hit. And it was a lot of young agents, all these like influencers, all these different, like whatever (laughs) they do, what they do, selling tights and selling real estate. And they, (laughs) (laughs) but they are, uh, like a few of them are like, I'm doing my first open house this weekend. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, have you ever, like, so you've never even shadowed somebody before? And they're like, no. I'm like, what are you even talking about? Like, how are you going to go and do something yeah. you've never done before without any type of training? So that's what I mean by new agents. Like, maybe you don't stay there forever. Maybe you do. But the yeah. first two, 18 months of being a realtor, join a team. I would, I really recommend joining a team. Okay. So they'll eat you up as well. This whole industry, if you don't, if you're a first generation realtor and not an entrepreneur, like I've never done sales before, uh, you know, you just think it's easy. Like it's, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get some training. When it comes to sales and commission type of uh, businesses, Mm -hmm. you learn real quick or like, like you said, training conferences Mm -hmm. and all that great stuff. Objections, like objection handling. Like if you're a brand new realtor and you're going to charge somebody two and a half percent to sell your, their house. Mm -hmm. Why, why would they hire you? You need to learn how to, how to sell yourself to these people. Mm -hmm. What do you come with? What do you come to the table? What do you offer? So that's all the stuff that you learn when you're in your first years and how to like, I have a spiel. I have a whole, like, I am, it's, I have lines. I yeah. know exactly what to say, when to say it, because I know that I, pref- it's just, you know, how people will react to certain things. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in a kitchen and someone's like, I don't know. And like, there's a five of us in there. My favorite line is like, well, if you want to have a party, this is what's going to feel like. <laughs> and I'm dancing in the kitchen. Like you, and people are like, oh my God, that is what it's going to feel like. Or we're yeah. in a foyer and mm-hmm. we're all trying to put on our shoes. Yeah. And they're like, like does this feel comfortable to you if you have a family and like we're all trying to like is this enough space like there's just things that happen and come over time and like without training and without just seeing other agents doing it I would mm-hmm. never have figured it out I would oh. never have figured it out so I don't want it would take class. me even longer to figure it out like, oh true true true, true. It, would because... take, it would just like so much it's so much trial and error but you have to look so polished when you're meeting those clients you can't like as much as we can say, I don't know, let me, I'll find out for you. Like yeah. I, that's one of those lines that I, I have to use because I don't know everything, mm-hmm. but what's leading up to that makes, has to make people feel comfortable. Like, okay, yeah, she doesn't know this, but that's okay. Like, yeah, she's, I'm not, I don't expect her to know that, but she if I don't know anything or if I, my language is scary, like people will, people just, your, your first impression is, is so important. <sighs> Ain't that the truth? Ain't mm-hmm. that the truth? And now, yeah, like, because I first first few showings, I show up prim and pro, like not that I'm never like I'm I'm, but I, it is you're setting the standard. Like you are all like I am always early. I am on like I am 
you are just showing people because that is how you make people trust you that they're making the most important decision of their life. Expectations that they want and stuff. So when it comes to the the lovely word real estate, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I feel like obviously everyone wants a house or everyone Mm -hmm. wants to be a homeowner. Mm -hmm. Um, What are... What is like some advice for people that are looking for a home or deciding whether they should just continue to be a, um, a renter than a homeowner? The sad thing about it is that not everybody can afford to buy real estate. That's the one real thing that as much as we grew up in a, in a life that everybody could like, if there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. Yeah. But you need to be able to save that down payment. And then once you save that down payment, you need to be able to afford those mortgage payments or somebody that, or pay the down or pick up the slack. Like if you decide to rent it out, let's say you work it out, you say that you're going to live in it, then you decide to, you're going to rent it out like for mortgage purposes. So you have to make up that difference. Like it is, it doesn't just stop there being able to like put down the money, but mm-hmm. if you can make, put down that down payment and you can get into the market. Mm-hmm. that is like the first step because that one investment that one purchase maybe it's not ideal maybe it's not what you thought you were going to buy like mm-hmm. I help people buy units like one bedroom condos couples yeah. that are like you know they only had five percent we know we have a top five year span because usually if you don't have five percent you got to lock in for five years if you have less than 20 percent, you got to lock in for five years so you lock in for five years you pay down your principal because most people can't leave. You can't get out of your mortgage before five years because it's just so expensive. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. You have this unit for five years. Maybe you maybe you grow out of it out of it in two and a half, and you're just like you're making. But that equity, because most of the time, in most times, mm-hmm. you will build equity. Yes, in 2020 or in 2017, there was low points, but every market goes up and comes down, and that's not the market you move in. Like if you can hold on to like. I had people where in 2020, they would have liked to move. Yeah. But the, the property they wanted to sell wasn't, um, the value wasn't there yet. Like there was like, there's no point of moving yet. So we would, you put it on the, like you wait a little longer and, mm. and then now they move up. Like they sell the one property to buy the bigger property. And maybe that property isn't exactly what they thought they were going to be their forever home as well. But that's what climbing the property ladder is. And most times in those, those scenarios where they buy the unit that, or the property that they didn't think they were going to live in. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time they hold on to it and they just mm-hmm. use it, leverage it to buy another property, which is just like, how, how amazing is that? Because now not only has, have you used the like whatever you could come together mm-hmm. to bring together, you, you live, I don't know, maybe you're, you're living, you're sp- splitting it or you're renting it out, but you could use that and to buy the next one like leverage it like it's it's a just a stepping stone it's a tangible stepping stone and like if so this year has been the year of me helping people use their their wealth to buy another property and I've done like four transactions like that already this year and it's just you know getting into the market them getting into the market and purchasing what they can afford at the time Mm -hmm. has gotten to the place where they can buy that next property <laughs> the, but like the way the way the property or not even the property the market value has been it's mm-hmm. it's, it's like a commodity right so it's like 
there's only so many of these pieces of property that we can, that are available. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens. Like, it's just, there's, when there's so limited supply yeah. uh, across the scale, especially when we were seeing the market of January and February, there's so lim there's so limited, like amount of homes that people can purchase that mm -hmm. people in different price points are bidding on houses that are probably, they're like, well, it's the only one I can buy right now. And I need a house. And I'm yeah. going to buy it. So then the, that's where the numbers start to get skewed because then it comes into where, you know, it's an asshole term, but people say the value is the, uh, whatever the buyer, the, whatever the buyer is willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And then isn't there, I know recently I saw that there was like a bidding price rule that uh, was so, happening. So, okay. So with bidding wars were, yeah. were multiple offers. It's a strategy. Mm -hmm. It's an opening price. So that's where a real realtor will come in and try to hand, act, like handle expectations. Like yeah. if your budget is only a million dollars, that's a realistic budget in, in Toronto. If you're trying to buy something that's a, like, or the GTA, not even like the GTA. Mm -hmm. If your budget is only a million dollars and at certain markets, like right now, it's a little bit different. We're in a little bit softer market, the spring market, the real spring market that's in the spring months is always a little softer because there's more inventory and there's always buyer exhaustion. Like, because January and February is always so busy and mm -hmm. a lot of people feel exhausted that when you start to see that more inventory is coming on the market, things are start people start to get like, they start to get buyer fatigue. The spring weather starts to come out. People start putting it on the back burner. We start getting like, uh, we start having, March break. So that mm -hmm. kind of slows things down. Then we have Easter that kind of slows things down. So we'll see what happens the next few weeks, but around this time of year, like I even went back recently to read like my old emails, like my monthly emails to see what I was saying. And in May I was, I was literally saying the exact same thing. Like, this is the time. If you're a buyer, this is the time. Like, yeah. uh, so, but okay. So the, back to the multiple, so your budget is a, a million dollars, let's say mm -hmm. and something is priced for nine ninety nine more than likely they're looking for something more money. Whereas if your budget is 9999, you should be looking at 7.99. Okay. So it's like, it's because they do it. So it's like a bid. So it's almost like an open bid where, and then hopefully, you know, 999 isn't like, the, like the, the price that they're actually looking for and like you have some room to negotiate or not. So you can say it's listed at 7.99 and you put an offer at, 900 yeah right and hoping that like that's how multiple offers work like right now i, I know this is an obscene because i do work in the in the downtown markets a lot so mm -hmm. there are some um there are some uh like realtors that i've noticed that they literally price houses yeah for seven eight hundred thousand dollars under the yes under the market value under under market value. Fun. So it should sell for like one, it should sell for 2 million and they yeah. list it for one, one. Why? <laughs> because they want everybody to come through the door. Uh, and right now in this market, it's, it's the prettiest and most well-priced home sell first. I get it. Cause when you have multiple bidders, someone's trying to outshine someone. So, and that's what the other thing. So I'm going to touch on this a little bit. 
because yeah. I think a lot of people are talking about it in the in the news right now. Yeah. Um, so they're talking about auctions mm-hmm. and how in auctions, how we can see the sell, like you can see what the last person bid. Mm. So have you ever, have you ever done an auction? No, but I know, remember, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't. Okay. So um, even if you're going to like a, a charity auction, let's say. Yes. When you're bidding on something, you don't bid five thousand dollars high, like you, like in housing prices. You don't bid five thousand dollars. You bid considerably more because mm-hmm. the next you want that person to go away. Yes. So these seeing the bids in these open auctions will it's gonna it's still gonna be as aggressive. Yeah. So- it's still because it's like. You're not going to, like, you see one price, okay, list price is $7.99. The highest price, the highest price so far is $900. You're going to bid $9.50. You're not going to bid $9.05. Yeah, because it wouldn't make sense. You'd be like, yeah, you're not, I can, five grand is five grand, but you want to make it considerably higher. Yeah. So it's like, so we'll see how this works out. Like, obviously, it's having an auction option. I'm going to have it. Like, I'm going to let anybody want it, but it may not be the best option either. And the seller has to agree to like, ex- like uh, letting you know what the prices are. Correct. Like, because yeah. when you offer, you don't know what everybody else is offering. It's all blinded. Like it's all, this is what feels comfortable to me. This is what yeah. I'm going to offer. Until they like agree or like, okay, well, this person was offering mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And Comes you know, around. normally, <laughs> exactly. Oh, this feels like the highest price. They feel the most qualified. They feel you know, it, it's the closing date we want. And yeah. that's usually how the, it comes to an end. But normally the person buying the house feels yeah. like they feel comfortable spending that money on that house at that time. Okay. And sucks. that's crazy. Cause mm-hmm. like I've seen like some houses, like even in Brampton that were um, over asking like 500,000. I was like, yeah, it's not five. The, what what we should be concerned about, mm-hmm. and maybe some people will argue with me on this, but like, mm-hmm. what I'm concerned about is five hundred thousand more than market value. Okay, true. Like, is it okay. does it not make sense in comparison to what has recently sold? Mm. Right. So if they list, so it's like, so it's if it's supposed to sell for one point two, yeah, and they list it at nine nine nine, like. It's not as, but if they list it at seven ninety nine, then you know it's going to sell for one. Like it's it's, it's just all optics, and to get sell it quickly. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. These bigger, these buggers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird. Honestly, I've been doing this for ten years. It's been around the entire time. Multiple yes. offers have been here for years. It's yeah. just it's it, more. Yeah, it's just more common now. I think also because I grew up, I grew up in my career uh, working in the city markets, yeah. so I'm used to it. Like I'm used to a, a house in the beaches, mm-hmm. like listing it for whatever, and like there being an offer night, and multiple offers, people coming in condition free, people coming in with deposit checks, like uh, like it, and then getting to that place and being able to offer that way is just because us agents coach and coach them to get there. Like, how do we become more and more the winning offer? So us agents are like, well, we need to check. Now you need to go condition free. So we're always just trying to make us the offer, the best offer possible and the most cleanest and more attractive to the, to the seller. That's exactly like if you're competing against 20 people, how do you stand out? Yeah, I guess. um, I know you said 
there's the saddest reality is that there's some people that actually won't be able to be homeowners mm-hmm. but I don't even think I um I just thought of it right now like that's like I know it sounds awful but it it really is yeah. like economics like mm-hmm. you know what I mean like you only make six like I don't know but you could the thing is if you're if you're if you're just it's just economic sometimes but also sometimes people don't want to take the responsibilities the well what could be done like you know maybe you can only you could save so much or you can buy with somebody else and then you pull it your money together and then maybe you need a co-signer and like all these things because you're asking like I think growing up when I did I felt like maybe uh, it was a bad thing to be getting help or, you know, it wasn't as we weren't as open about it, but there's nothing wrong with it. I, and I tell my clients that all the time, there's nothing wrong with your parents helping you right now because you haven't been alive long enough to save the amount of money you need to buy these homes. But you're like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's like, why not take the help to, Mm -hmm. to progress your future? And that's what your parents want at the end of the day. Like, obviously everybody's parents are different but Mm. you know uh, I would hope the average parent would want their kids if they can help them to to help them you know give get their feet wet with the exactly investing in or getting properties and they'd be able to you know help them in the future (laughs) like remember that time when I got you that house (laughs) oh exactly or just like my parents got help when they first they first uh it just creates generational wealth and that's where it just starts and I'm big on generational wealth I tell my clients all the time I'm like you know this is this is not just for you this is for generations and I like when uh like I have a client of mine who is near and dear to me and uh he is literally bought a bought a townhouse in in Ajax yeah for 230,000 bought a pre-construction yeah. Use that so you know lived in it for a little while mm-hmm. moved in you know every situation is different moved in with his girlfriend we use the we leverage the first property to buy a second property a duplex in oshawa and then we use the two properties to leverage and now he bought his like forever home with his his significant other so it's like this guy came from just working for the city making yeah. i don't know sixty thousand dollars a year and now his income has obviously uh increased as time has gone on as well but he got in where he could fit it mm-hmm. and the an ajax which didn't make sense to him at the time but he's like i can afford to buy here and he bought and he, now he lives at vpm eglinton like he bought in uh, part um what is it called like you know just bought it on really nice suburban in yeah. north york so what you're basically saying for for folks that want to buy getting yeah, where you can fit in buy. is my yeah. biggest my biggest thing get a co-signer get mm-hmm. a like get a, a a co-signer or a guarantor or get a, someone else to buy with you like yeah. i'm at the point now where i'm telling my sisters is like let's go in together yeah. let's buy something else let's let's do it together and because i they see how much i uh, like i've helped other people and they see mm-hmm. the, the method of it they're like yeah absolutely tell me where to where to do it and we'll do it because would why you, not half is better than nothing true would you advise going outskirts and how far absolutely. how far though um and so 
You see I think, I think as struggle? I think as the way that the as Ontario grows, mm-hmm. like we are taking in four hundred thousand new immigrants every day, and these immigrants are not coming with no money. Like they have money, they coming here because they want a better life. They want to set up their lives. They're coming here, and that's not I I. I encourage it because that's the way my family came to Toronto and that's how we built our generational wealth. Because if we stayed in Greece, who knows, like there would be no generational wealth if my parents stayed there and we wouldn't like, yeah, maybe we would have nicer weather, but like we wouldn't have the lives we have now. And, um, I, and I encourage, like, I know that it takes away, uh, I, I know a way it could take away from some, but mm-hmm. it's not like they don't work hard to get it as well like to buy homes, um, to, to, you know, create, like to work in these jobs. Like we have the land here, but at the end of the day, a lot of people don't want to live in the outskirts as well. They all want to live in the, in the city. So downtown, I don't know why. (laughs) Me neither, but I think it's just more for commuting. I think a lot of people are just like, it's like, you know, they don't want to have to pay for a car and all the other things. Like it just makes it easier. But if you can buy a small one bedroom condo anywhere in the GTA, that will, that is the most, that is the least expensive piece of real estate you could buy right now. Mm -hmm. And it will grow because there will always be a market for people wanting to buy that. And it's basically getting your feet wet. That's, that's what we're trying to yeah. do. So 600000 now is like the 300000 $300, We were basically, people were entering the market in 10 years ago. Yeah, true. <laughs> right? Like that's just entry level now. Like yeah. entry level, even in Pickering, um, you know, awesome. Markham, Mississauga, like these builders, when you're going to buy pre-construction, I haven't seen a builder in like last year was the last time I saw builders sell something that were under $1,200 a square foot. Now we're creeping up to over 13, 14, depending on if you want to be downtown, it's like 15, $1,600 a square foot. And how to figure out the math for that is you take the size of the unit. So say Uh you're buying a 500 square foot unit, you times it by per square foot, and that will give you the price roughly. <laughs> we're not gonna do the math today guys <laughs> <laughs> but that's just basically how the builders do their math and then there's yeah. obviously fees towards that so it's just uh toronto is becoming it's a world-class city uh, mm-hmm. and uh, there's so much opportunity here we have so many different sectors of work that people mm-hmm. want to come here and as much as you know our government people may be not happy with it right now it's a lot more stable than other places in the world which is like, oh, well, it's better than it's like a gaslighting. It's like, well, at least it's, but, but in all honesty, it is, it is much more safe and secure. And, uh, and we could see that the, the, the movement of money, like yeah. de- development and change. So I, true. And I'm glad you mentioned like the, you know, ways to, for folks to get into housing is, to collaborate with someone or co-sign yep. and get help maybe we gotta go to Durham or, or yeah like heal I, the, well the pandemic has helped me has put into perspective yeah that like a lot of my clients my core clients they moved out of the city just because of affordability like yeah it's just you know they they don't want to like some people don't want to have to move again in five years or six years they just want a house and like they were willing to commute for the house and yeah. i have moved people throughout the, the pandemic up to an hour away 
because it worked for their lifestyle. It worked, yeah. you know, for their families. They could see themselves staying. They wanted more than just a condo. Like they needed more space. And mm -hmm. that's totally valid. And you just need to be, that's where it comes in with being a, like a really seasoned agent and like understanding expectations. Yeah. And then getting to know um, yeah. your client because Absolutely. I think we were mentioning it earlier and you mentioned it already that when it comes to like your core um, clients or people, you've you've created a relationship with them and and built like every honestly, <laughs> no one knows, but every what Thanksgiving I it's look for it. I'm like I'm there waiting. I'm like, where's Christina with my pie? <laughs> so my big thing in life in my business was to create a an exclusive group and it, like a group like so if you were to meet somebody at yeah. one of my events mm -hmm. people are like i get the same thing like oh my god <laughs> like it's like oh everybody is is i just want to treat people and show them that i appreciate them that yeah. if they do have the opportunity to refer mm -hmm. me that right. it's like they they do that and yeah. doing the pies was is always for me it's just like a consistent constant in everyone in everybody that gets one and they all now they expect it like i can't mm -hmm. give it up i can't i can't give it up it's 10 years <laughs> this october will be 10 years i can't give it up because if i and if i miss somebody i'm pretty sure they'll be pissed and i'll be like and i'm happy to do it i'm happy to let <laughs> yeah like i people were like, oh, i was wondering where you were like if i switch up the route or something like that i do have my route down pat yeah. now yeah. i have been getting i have been getting my uh my staging assistant to help me with like delivering just because it's begotten it's it's taking a toll on like it's a it's a three-day thing like especially if i see people and like most of the time i want to see and chat and get you know see what's going on with people what's going on with my clients lives yeah. obviously looking for opportunity like you know seeing what they're if they have any moving plans like that's me getting in front of them and at least i know once a year i can get in front of everyone i also do monthly newsletters which you know advertise <laughs> yeah monthly monthly yeah. newsletters i do uh a once a year i or twice a year i try to like do a little party um mm -hmm. last year because of covid i did like for the kids i did a dinosaur drive-through so people i got everybody to come to this dinosaur like theme park where all the parents came i had like yeah. 50 cars i had like vip access and they all mm -hmm. the kids got to go through the so because i did that for the kids throughout the whole summer, I went and visited personally every single person that didn't come to mm. the dinosaur event. Yeah, because it was just like, and I dropped off a gift. And I was just like, you know, creating a relationship. I'm more than just like, you know, transaction based. I'm, yeah. um, and, I try and to... It's true. And I don't care what anyone says, Christina mm -hmm. is the first person I think about when I'm like, thank you, when I'm about to get my place. <laughs> Well, and even with people that like, I have, I have friends of mine that like, you know, they haven't bought yet and it's, and I'm, I've helped, I help them along the way. Like you need to do this. You need to do that. Like, yeah. let's think about this option. So it's it, sometimes my job starts way before, way, 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 way before someone even makes a transaction and they still get gifts. They still get like, because they could, ref they'll refer me before they even may even do a transaction with me. Yeah. And that's perfect. That's yeah makes it all worth it because they trust me already mm -hmm. and trust is important right uh trust yeah. uh building relationship and feeling appreciated or wanted 
is is a big thing when it comes to that type of business so I'm I'm glad and I also because I know your personal finance journey with like paying off debt and everything what are the um, two or three things that that you wish you knew about personal finance when it came you know when we were growing up because we you know we <laughs> week one how to budget was number mm-hmm. one Mm-hmm. Because I grew up in a household where we, we weren't taught how to budget. We just told not to spend money. Um, <laughs> how to invest and what that means. Yes. Like my parents were really conservative with investing. Yes. Like they had an investor group guy that would come over or whatever. But like it was always <laughs> around. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, his son took over his business now. Um, they would come, he'd come over once a year. They would talk about like, oh, we're going to put it in this account. And my parents were like, we want to do the least risky thing we want to do the least and I always thought I've always been conditioned to think that like to do to take the path of least risk Mm -hmm. and that's why um coming into my industry coming into this industry was like a real shock to my family because they they're like there's so much risk in this so how to invest (laughs) and what does that mean yeah um and again like under really understanding like leveraging Mm, because not all debt is bad debt true and I my parents paid off their mortgage uh by the time I was 10 and they yeah like it it was the it was an 80s obviously interest rates were like 15 percent I just realized that the other day (laughs) I didn't know I know people are hoping that they go back you know it's so funny that everybody's like, oh, in the 80s and the 90s, you were paying interest rates and blah, blah, blah. I said, but how much was the fucking house? Like, are you fucking serious? Because we don't talk about this off topic because <laughs> the way my dad told me one time, he's like, you should be able to afford a 900. I'm like, in, in what world? 900,000 house. Come on. Come on. What? Well, the thing is, first you got to save the one seventy five or one eighty or whatever it is you got to put down, and then you got to, and then you have to be able to afford a mortgage of like seven hundred thousand dollars. So, uh, I don't think people, even if the so if the mortgage rate is at three percent, like yeah. you're making more interest than you were in the like on these two hundred thousand dollar mortgages mm-hmm. at fifteen percent. So when people tell me things like that, I'm like, okay, that seems a little drastic, but it could happen. It could, yeah. it could happen, but I don't think so. Fair enough. <laughs> as more as rates go up, prices yeah. will flatten, will flatten, yeah. but not do they flatten to the point where people that couldn't afford it two mm-hmm. years ago or back in the market? I don't know. We it really depends on the person. Yeah, and hopefully, like people you know, are still saving to be able to do that or if trying to find different avenues to, to work things, work through it because... So a few things to like make the next generation feel probably a little bit better. Uh-huh. Right now, Canada is going through the biggest, uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, hold on, let me yeah. find it for you because I want to say it right so then people understand. Uh, Google. <laughs> no, it came in. It's, it's, it's uh, transfer. Oh, sorry, it's such a yeah. silly word. Trans. So Canada is going through right now the biggest transfer of wealth. 
over the next few years. Like boomers are obviously they're coming towards their life expectancy Mm -hmm. and they hold the most amount of wealth. And with that, with the boomer generation, that means all this wealth is coming down to their millennial children and their generation. So it's like, we are going to see the biggest transfer of wealth over the next 10 years that we have no idea. And I did see that while in the pandemic where parents were like, you know what? One, like rates are lower than we've ever seen them be low. Yeah. You can get in now. We'll give you a gift because why wait until we pass away to give you this gift? And then you're, you know, struggling. So we, I did have a lot of clients where during the pandemic, they were able to afford with their own savings, plus their parents saying like, look, here's transfer of wealth, like take mm-hmm. it on because it is going to be yours anyway. Like, and that's what, a, you know, that's, we'll see in the next 10 years, how that affects the real estate market, the biggest transfer of wealth plus 400,000 um, immigrants a year. Yeah. That's, and the government is spending billions in construction. Mm-hmm. Imagine we build too much. <laughs> but they've been building a lot like downtown, like Lakeshore. It's not, Lakeshore? Enough. not enough. Not enough. I don't know. They're trying to use every little piece of land. They're gonna it's gonna look like like Shanghai by the time we build all them. Dang. It's, it's gonna, gonna be gonna crazy be when we see like um and then water. they're gonna do it like Monaco where they're gonna build out into the water and then there's gonna be even more buildings. So they're gonna just like go try to go around like Center Island stuff. <laughs> yeah, oh, like it's it's just like they're gonna figure they're gonna continue to figure it out mm-hmm. because yeah we could all like the thing is that people can continue to sprawl out into the but we need also the amenities for that we need the schools we need the transit Absolutely. we need the so because the city already has it we mm-hmm. build because there's not enough land to build flat anymore. Gosh darn it. Unless you go like out, outskirts and stuff. Yeah. They which is it. which is completely fine because they will continue to rise as well. And you get used to your environment and you get used to like living out there. True, because like look, I remember what, like I I never remember what Pickering or Ajax and stuff look like. And look how it's developed or even Markham, like how much development has happened in the Markham last- Markham has like worse traffic sometimes <laughs> than like Toronto. Like, have you ever driven through Markham? It's awful. Depends it's on busy. the 16th or- My sister moved there, it's busy. Like it's, she lives like she, uh, I had no idea until she moved there but uh, she moved right by the mall oh markville markville mall try to make a left (laughs) 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 it is it's it's crazy the population is completely growing it's just becoming uh it's becoming more and more people basically we have to find a way um to we have to find different types of cheaper ways to build Would that be like uh, shipping containers, homes, or laneway houses, or garden suites, or uh, like, you know, these strip malls that are, or sorry, not strip malls, but like the retail commercial, instead of just completely knocking it down and building, but like maybe building on top of them and building another two apartments. Like we need to figure out how to infill what we have and Mm -hmm. to create more uh, like 
cheaper options because yes, we can continue to build, but they're not cheap enough to build where the average person can afford them. Exactly. I like that idea. I, yeah, like I shipping containers, like, uh, it, I think also our ideology has to change around all of this too. Like hmm. there's, there's nothing wrong with it. These, these, or like prefab homes. You make them uh, nice and look at the like RVs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's RVs just, books? you know, that's just kind of, it's not because that's what you can buy for 300,000. Exactly. And it has warming water, it has electricity. And then, you know, you buy that and you move on afterwards. But that's kind of where we need, where us as a, as a whole, you know, developers, the community needs to figure it out because the city also charges a lot of money for, for development. Mm -hmm. And then that gets pushed onto the owner. Like per door, the city charges like a hundred thousand dollars before they even like just to build that unit. Yeah. So that lot of stuff gets rolled into the prices. So we just have to start thinking of more economical ways to build homes. Also, they need to open up the 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 rules against um, making duplexes and triplexes and all these. Like, yes, they need to be safe for people, but like, there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot really? of red tape sometimes. Yeah, just getting them approved with the city and you know, see like as long as they're fire return doors, the windows are up to par, like there's smoke detectors, like, you know, you shouldn't have to make people have to have a, like, you know, ceiling height clearances. Like there's a lot of ways that they put a lot of red tape in the city, especially. I found yeah. that the other suburbs, they're a little, they're trying to promote mm -hmm. creating duplexes and all, like Durham, especially. But I find that there's a lot of red tape in the city. Mm -hmm. The duplex would be nice though. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I it's it's a money a duplex multiple I feel like multiple like buying a condo is fantastic but if you could get a duplex or a triplex mm -hmm. one or one of the units for sure is paying your fees and then maybe the other one is paying your taxes and whatnot and then you know maybe you're not breaking even but that's yeah. okay like as long as it's self-sufficient true that <sighs> that's a lot of people get into the into wanting to invest and thinking like oh I'm gonna make money and it's like no, yeah no, not in the beginning you have to kind of go through the it's, motion it's the quick um get quick rich wait i always say the word saying wrong but it's like them get to, rich quick scheme yes that that mm -hmm. way it's like they always are like oh well i heard like in the states they do that i'm like this is not the states <laughs> in the states it's different like i i actually went to like a seminar uh like a walking tour in buffalo no detroit once yeah. And they don't have any red tape. Like there is no red tape on like how to build these like um, apartments and who yeah. rents them. And like, and also it's like the states has, the states, the climate's so much different that they have housing everywhere. Mm -hmm. That like, it's not, whereas where we in Canada have so much land that's not usable because it's just so cold. Whereas the states <laughs> they can build, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many like all the like you know it's just more area more circumference but so uh, more people right so annoying <laughs> it's but, true it's like that's exactly that, and that's why when the recession we heard all these like these houses went like the housing market like sank because they were building everywhere mm -hmm. or didn't and then also didn't like you know so and, and giving mortgages to people that couldn't afford homes yeah and didn't we have mm -hmm. a question as in when is when's the housing bubble gonna hit <laughs> you tell me you tell me i don't know 
<laughs> it's basically so many factors have to happen for something like that to happen. Yeah. Interest rates have to continue to skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Um, something catastrophic, like you know, war or another deadly virus. Because that, you know, it did happen. We had a softening March, April, May of 2020, and people yeah. who jumped in then yeah. are laughing now. But they weren't like my one key of advice to people that are watching this. Mm-hmm. When people are running away from real estate, you run towards it yeah. because that is when, because when everybody wants it, that's when you pay the most for it. So when everybody's sitting on the sidelines thinking like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And you think it's a great opportunity. You should jump in because more than likely it is. It's like the stock market. Ah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I had a couple clients, like I, like all, all the clients that I helped between March 2020 and June 2020 yeah cannot afford the homes that they purchased anymore because the values just increased so much while they while while they pulled held on to them for the last two years don't worry I think a lot of my clients is is that's the case but it it is something that I is one of the first catastrophic things I've I've had to work through where Mm -hmm. I was like a little bit like oh my god what's gonna happen am I gonna have a job like you know, we didn't, I didn't know. And that's why I feel very blessed to be able to have worked through the whole pandemic, but um, it's just, no one knew what was going to happen. No one, no one would have expected this. Would have known. No, no, no <laughs> one would have known. What was it? March 16th or March 13th, which was a Friday. I remember that day because <laughs> I, I went to the supermarket. It was crazy, but who would have known? Right. Oh, I went to Costco. I remember sitting, standing in Costco, and I think it was the last time I went to Costco. Why and did you do that? Like, What's going on? And my my two friends who have, who have children were like, "I gotta pay my kids. I gotta pay my kids." Like, oh, I was like, "Oh, that's gonna Costco of all the places." I mean, I went I to Walmart. No one knew what was going on. Like, we didn't know. <laughs> like, no one knew what was happening right then. But it was intense for sure. And then, yeah, I remember I went to dinner with my good friend and uh she was her husband works like in hedge funds and they were talking about it and they're gonna shut down the world they're gonna do this and I'm like what are you talking about like how are they gonna shut down the world like what are you talking about yeah and load and fucking behold the whole world shut down and I yeah (laughs) March 7th we had no March 6th we had that conversation and she's like it's gonna shut down it's gonna happen and I'm like what are you talking about? And like, I remember in January in the nail a salon. A week later, did it happen? Week, it happened. And I remember in January because uh, they were st- like, it was started to come out. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, just ignorant to the fact that just so many people live there. That's why this is spreading. Nothing's going to happen here. Yeah, right. As soon as it hit, as soon as I saw, I remember as well. Mm-hmm. As soon as I remember that it was coming into Canada, I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. why aren't we taking care of this shit <laughs> my my one my my cousin who's a very good friend of mine she was pregnant she was in the early stages of being pregnant we were all in february it was like around february 18 20th and she was paranoid and i was like relax like calm down you can go to relax. dinner like <laughs> like you can go to dinner you're being so dramatic and little load and behold load and fucking behold i mean it is what it is um it, not like we're laughing that it's covid's a joke it's obviously it wasn't no no never stuff. never yeah. it's just like it's how did we it's know not a joke it was just like it was 
it's more the the ignorance like I, I laugh at myself because the whole time though in the beginning I was like this like you know you just like want to it's like a boiling pot you just want it to stop you're just like stop just stop what you're doing <laughs> just stop okay it. we get it we get it like just stop <laughs> and there was it felt like there was no stopping it right that's so true no it. it's like you couldn't <laughs> the fire was still boiling you're like yeah like it's just turn like it off. <laughs> oh, oh now we can't fly anywhere like oh like it's just it was just a, it's something i will remember like we will remember for the rest of our lives yeah it definitely <laughs> has hit history in our lives and stuff mm. and all that good stuff and hmm how it's because i know folks we we've been on for a good while <laughs> oh, okay. what are other um i wouldn't say other avenues that you're i mean shit who knows you could be making a book or what did you say the other day um or the other second making tights <laughs> making tights selling tights um so what i so which someone would call me up and be like yeah so what did you say about me selling tights i was like do you do you what do you want to do with your life fine like you know talking out of my ass again I'm sorry like, <laughs> um, just having a conversation <laughs> yeah like I was just you know I didn't understand that you can make a career off of selling tights I'm sorry like I'm the first one to like apologize I'm sorry uh so I would so what I say that I'm heavily so what I'm doing right now is I'm saving for another to buy another pre-construction condo that's a big thing I want to I want to own five by the time I am 45 so that is my thing because that's my exit strategy. I want to own a few properties. Okay. And then my next thing is like, I do start getting into stocks with you, which is another uh, like buy investing. Just, and we're just, wait, wait, wait. We're only, we are keeping our toe in. <laughs> we are keeping our toe in. Um, I'm like one of those people, like a, someone who's like a flipper, like, I thought I was going to make money. Like, <laughs> So I'm doing that and uh lever and then my next obviously buying another pretty and then leveraging my business so then I can um have someone work with me that I can we can kind of like they would be a buyer's agent for me or just some extra help so that we could just one I could start to scale even more and take yeah. on more business and um you know making you know could make some money off someone else as well you know like like by training them by making like you know the whole yeah. making it worth their while but obviously there has to be a give and a take with a, a team was it um using other people's time basically and all that mm -hmm. good stuff yeah Ooh. like i would love to, you know i i have life goals and personal goals that i want to also achieve but yeah. sometimes those our goals are difficult because i can't be in so many places at once so if i could start to Unless you know, get a um, <laughs> yeah. For, right now I'm happy. Like I'm, my business is like an easy flow. I can handle it. Like, but there are nine months, eight months out of the year, or I want to start taking more time off, and that's another thing too. But uh, that I really can't breathe. Like I am literally like my phone. I just wanted to stop ringing sometimes, just because mm -hmm. it's uh, you're just cool client managing and making sure, and that's a sign of success which I love, but it is very stressful. It could be very stressful. And I always want my level of service to be um, excellent. Yes, mm -hmm. and it is. 
I like we have a lot of friends that we that you've gotten houses for or mm-hmm. sold houses purchase houses and they always love it and everything mm-hmm. so it's it's I'm I'm happy to see that like what when we were like freaking 11 12 years old and we've been I know we look young <laughs> but it's been a long journey and I'm really proud of you with, Thank with you. the growth so I'm <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad to have a friend like you that's in my life and able to see you grow and then help you build and stuff and now that you said a couple of things we have some talk to do afterwards <laughs> yeah I hope I was uh I was hope I was helpful and I hope I wasn't discouraging to anyone because yeah. sometimes it doesn't help not to be real but if there's a will to buy real estate there's a way in some cases there's no way and that's okay you know but I think that if there's a will there's a way you can figure it out there's you know you should own your piece of the pie and just this comes with planning and having a different mindset right and how can the folks find you gonna give you the contact um I guess obviously my Instagram Instagram handle is Mm christina.dell and my I'll put it my, in the- my brand is Deligianis, so D-E-L-I-G-I-A-N-N-I-S dot C-A is my website, mm-hmm. and I work for Rare Real Estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a independent brokerage uh, that is on Avenue Road, where I am right now, uh, and if you're a realtor listening to this, this is a great brand to work for. We're cutting edge uh, we're the brokers for entrepreneurs. They have a bit of a profit share model as well at this brokerage, which is great for people who want another stream of revenue. Um, and I, you know, I'm so far, I've been working here for the last you know, five months and I've been really happy here. And yeah, you can find me online. You can send me an email. I'm really searchable. You can just Google my name. And you'll find me. And I'm going to put all the description at the end. Um, and all that good stuff. So, and if you get any questions from this podcast, I'm happy to answer them. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you got the sun is now folks. setting, so it's probably good. We're probably ending it because, <laughs> right? So, folks, yeah. if you have questions, please ask me and then I'll send it straight to Christina. And, but don't expect me to answer them legitly because I don't know this stuff that's why I got Christina on here and all that well you had asked me one question about like you were like oh what do you want to touch up on like you know uh the first time buyer RSPs and stuff like that and to be honest I am a realtor I I focus on selling homes I understand value I understand the process but I help also my clients get set up for getting ready to purchase so even those like avenues like what is the best way to save what is the best product to like how how do we get there i can help you get that set up i just won't give advice on like what is like what to do with saving and um just because everybody's different everybody's situation is different and uh i would i'd rather someone who's an expert Mm -hmm. just like i'm an expert in my field to to give expert advice on that absolutely don't worry because i will um do some research and I think I have someone in mind that would want to talk about that. So mm. that's definitely in the works because, you know, every week something's happening. <laughs> oh, it's, well, it's real estate's a topic of conversation most of the time. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And if you watch CP24, they're going to, yeah. that's, like, that, that's all they, it's, it's just the news. It's, it is what it is. I'm used to it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Christina. Thank you for having me. No problem. We're just going to tune out with Andre's thing. Too bad you weren't able to meet him. I think you met him. No, you haven't, but it's all no, good. <laughs> Maybe at a function or something like that, but I have not met him. At a function? No, 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 no. Because I met him around the pandemic, like right before the pandemic. But you met Kurt. Kurt remembers mm -hmm. you and everything. But yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me.